Over 460 million people around the world have disabling hearing loss. Starkey Hearing Foundation provides hearing aids and hearing-related health care to millions of patients in over 100 countries. But they need your support to continue helping those in need. Give the gift of hearing by donating to the Listen In Campaign. Go to listenincampaign.org to donate today. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-I-N-C-A-M-P-A-I-G-N dot O-R-G. The following program is an MLWRadio.com production. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Primetime with Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Sean Mooney. This is episode six, and we have a lot to talk about this week. Before we do that, though, I want to say hello to my co-host, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I know you had a great weekend, Jim. Well, hello, Sean. You know, the first thing old Hacksaw's got to do is give it a big ho-ho. Kind of fires me up. Yeah, I had, I had a great weekend, so I'm all pumped up. I can't wait to tell you all about it, brother. Well, I want you to. I know you were at the Raleigh Supercon, and then you also stepped back on stage. A lot of people don't know that's another part of your life, that you actually get up and do stand-up, and you did that at the Comedy Zone in Charlotte. So let's start with the Supercon. Well, actually, go a day early, buddy. We'll start Thursday. I flew up to Chicago Thursday morning. I drove up to Charlotte, then fly up to Chicago. I went to the uh, Kane County Cougars, a, a minor league baseball team for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I went out there. I threw out the first pitch. I did a little skit with the mascots, you know, uh, and signed some autographs. Got up the next morning, uh, flew from Chicago back to Charlotte. My wife picked me up. We drove over to Raleigh for the Raleigh. You didn't get drafted? You know they draft everybody in Major League Baseball. Well, I tell you, I, the way I was throwing that first pitch, I'm surprised. I might get a call, you know. Yeah, yeah, you <laughs> never come curve. back, Doug, and never yeah. come back. It's hard <laughs> to hit a curve with a, hex, with a uh, two-by-four, though. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, uh, yeah. But uh, anyway, so I fly back into Charlotte. They, uh, my wife picks me up. We go to Raleigh for the Supercon. I mean, and what a nice city Raleigh, North Carolina was. Spent a few days there. Uh, had a nice amphitheater downtown. But the Supercon, they had uh, Ric Flair was there, my good wow. buddy for... Over 30 yep. years, it was good to see Rick. Greg the Hammer Valentine, he was well, there. That's a name from the past. Yeah, he stayed awake most of the con. <laughs> <laughs> He's still getting in the ring, though, right, at some of these independents? Yeah. Yeah, that's the way, you know, people say, does Greg the Hammer still wrestle? I said, well, he goes to the ring. I don't know if you'd call it wrestling. <laughs> does he take <laughs> oh, the robe off? Yeah. <laughs> no, geez, are you kidding? I tell you, as I've been wrestling longer, now my trunks are getting longer. I wear a T-shirt. I'm just covering up more and more of my body. I said, pretty soon I'll be wearing a poncho <laughs> with, with a hood, cover everything. <laughs> Greg the Moo Moo Valentine. Yeah. Everyone goes to take off his robe. They're like, no. <laughs> yeah. Hunter Hearst Helms, or not Hunter Hearst Helms, <laughs> uh, Hurricane Helms was there. All right, awesome. And his wife uh, was a a bodybuilder, just won like the Nationals or something. Wow. She's doing real well. They have two kids. Another success story in wrestling that you don't hear a whole bunch about, but uh, great time at the con, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And, you know, it's Good crowds, huh? Oh, at those super cons, you see some, like, movie-quality costumes, you know, like Predator and stuff like that. And then a kid will walk by with a bag on his head, you know. A box. (laughs) Yeah, from one extreme to the other. Oh, and uh, uh, my buddy uh, Lee Majors was there, uh, the $6 million man. Yeah. 
Yeah, was I a million dollar man with him, or yeah. he doesn't roll that I think way? That's his favorite wrestler, I think. Yeah, you know? yeah I think you're right. Because if I need a new elbow, I'll give Teddy a call. <laughs> I, I'm, how does uh, how are the six million dollar parts doing? I mean, he look good. Yeah, on DiBiase because he's got two. No, new no, knees. I, yeah, I know he's got a new hip, right? <laughs> no, no, two new knees for Teddy. Oh, I think oh, okay. Jake's got the new hip, and Foley, <laughs> Foley's got a new hip. I joke. I said I'm the last of the old timers with all my original body parts. <laughs> this week, in original body parts. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so yeah, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, after the show, Sunday we drove to Charlotte, spent the night in Charlotte. Monday morning, I had to get up early. Did all the network morning shows. Uh, Good morning, Charlotte. Charlotte today. Uh, the the whole city was pretty excited about the hacksaw Jim Duggan show at the Comedy Zone Monday night, and uh, we had a good turnout there a fun night out you know uh, Sean people asked me they said Hacksaw don't you get uh, nervous talking in front of all those people I said no it's like talking to a room full of old friends I I, I really enjoy it you know you know I wanted to ask you about that because I when people talk to me I I just remember back in the day when we were uh, with the WWF that you know you really were one of the funniest superstars uh, you know behind the curtain what do you mean by that not only what you could do on the ring (laughs) but but uh what at what point did I did someone approach you and say, "Hey Jim, would you ever think about doing some stand up?" Or how did that evolve? No, it, uh, I tell you, uh, I think Roddy Piper was one of the first guys. Mick Foley, of course, he took it to another level. And yeah. uh, Jake, Jake the Snake Roberts, and I were out with in uh, Sacramento uh, at a Comic Con, and Foley uh, did a show and invited us down. And we were on stage with Mick for a little while. And after the show, Jake and I are like, "Well, shoot, <laughs> we we can do this, brother. Let's try it." And Jake and I did a couple of shows. Uh, we did the uh, Zanies in Nashville, you know. And Jake did a, a, a about a half hour, and I came out and did a half hour, and we did a Q and A, and. We realized that uh, you know we could do it on our own. I, the uh, the critic there in Nashville, the next morning in the newspaper, he goes, uh, "Jake the Snake was hustler, Duggan was Disney." <laughs> you know, it's been a, I, I told you many times, it's been a positive business for me. So I have a different outlook on wrestling than a lot of guys. But uh, we had a, a fun night in Charlotte, and uh, looking forward to doing it again. You know, I've done the uh, this, the stand up show in Northern Ireland, uh, London, Scotland, Canada, and America. <laughs> wow. Well, as always, you you're staying incredibly busy when you aren't uh, involved in an independent show. You've got the 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 super cons and the comic cons going on, and then of course these uh, comedy shows. Uh, but uh, you know, last week we talked about a, a little bit of your personal life. You went to a wedding. And I was remiss of when we uh, were stopped recording because you had mentioned something about you uh, actually being hired to to work a wedding in yeah. New Jersey of all places, and it was uh, quite the experience. I think you left a made man. Yeah, well, you know it's funny. They I, I do all kinds of stuff, and they called me up for the reception at the, at the wedding. The young guy, and, and uh, I don't know the bride, but the groom was a big wrestling fan. So they fly me up into Newark Airport. You know, they pick me up in a great big, nice uh, limousine. You know, black limo, black windows, and everything. We get to the deal. Bulletproof. I tell you, I thought it was a Tony <laughs> Soprano wedding. Tell you the truth, brother. All these guys, they all look, you know, they look like the gangsters you'd see in a, a Tony Soprano movie, you know. Oh, and yeah. uh, so they're like, Hacksaw, you know, when the groom gets the toast, you know, to the bride, we want you to kick in the door and come running down the aisle with your two by four and doing your deal. And I'm like, yeah, sure, that's cool, you know. <laughs> so get, get ready. They hit, The guy starts to toast. They said, go, Hacksaw. Boom. I kicked the door in. I come running. Ah, ah. 
about half the people in there didn't have a clue who I was. You know, they're all going under their jackets, grabbing yeah. their rods, you know. Hey, smoke this guy. Who is this guy? It's a hit. It's a hit. The guy with the, the cello case had the biggest piece. I yeah, heard, yeah, right? yeah. I saw, they said, oh, that's Hacksaw from uh, New Jersey. Yeah, we know him. Yeah. He, he yeah, cuts he up the, the bodies. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's the other Hacksaw. Yeah, that's like. He's, uh, he's with Crazy Eyes crew. I know him, yeah. Big Nose Louie in that group. <laughs> <laughs> but I ended up having a great time with those folks. Spent an extra, uh, you know, uh, extra few hours with them. Had a nice time and uh, left and was glad to get out of there. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah I was going to say, you, yeah. you, you, you got to back to the airport and knock down to the river. <laughs> Sleep with the fishes, Duggan. <laughs> Well, I wanted to get that in. And then also, I got uh, people contacting me. We talked about last week, we got a lot of great feedback on uh, the Sensational Sherry portion of our podcast last week. Yeah, everybody uh, loves Sherry. Yeah, and, our, and our, our, really, it was a tribute to her and what we believe was you know, her, her tremendous impact on the world of uh, professional wrestling. Uh, but when I, I talked about Wrestling Spotlight, and you know, I, I think of it in terms of, yeah, I hosted that show. Well, uh, I was... I, 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 can't believe I did not mention that really it was Ian, my, my evil twin brother, who hosted that program. Okay, so let's, let's be clear on that. And I'm glad because Sensational Sherry wasn't exactly kind to him. That uh, guy gets you in a lot of trouble, doesn't he? That Ian oh, guy no. gets you. <laughs> he seems to get you in a lot of trouble. Yeah, he, and he did uh, back then. But, uh, but one thing I really enjoyed was watching Sensational Sherry torture him every week, uh, which she did on a regular basis. So uh, uh, there were some suggestions that Ian should host a podcast sometime. Well, if, if the bum ever, you know, I get in touch with him again because he still owes me money. I hear he's always in Vegas out there partying, you know. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> yeah. He's the one who actually made some money in this business. <laughs> right? That's the guy, huh? I yeah. knew there was somebody. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't, well, it wasn't me. But uh, but anyway, I just wanted to, to mention that. Yes, it was Ian Mooney who uh, hosted that program and with Sensational Sherry. You know, and, Sean, uh, that shows how uh, sharp wrestling fans are. They would know that if, you know, they would know that was Ian and not you. Oh, oh yeah, of course. Of, I mean, very astute, knowledgeable wrestling fans. They really are, and they and we know that the, the WWE universe, yes, some of the greatest fans that exist, and and their knowledge really though is isn't it? Their knowledge is incredible. You have to be so careful. You get a date wrong, you hear about it, you know, or you you know event, and uh, I I don't know about you, some of the stuff kind of runs together. Uh, when I but I remember the Pretty incident, the, like the, to, uh, the whole to try and pin the city, you know, and when it happened. Yeah, or yeah, I said it all runs together at this stage, you know. Yeah. Every once in a while, a little high spot will bump up, but uh, yeah. So we got a great question coming up at the end of the program. I have more on Wrestling Spotlight, but we'll have that coming up. We we ran a poll this week, though, which, uh, as we've uh, talked about before, that we, we've been doing this for a, a few weeks now, and it's, uh, it's I think it's a great way for us to, to, to pick a topic because you ran it's a really... poll or you knew somebody dancing on a poll? <clears throat> Well, I know that uh, you you've been a, a pool a involved somewhere. <laughs> I know you've been involved in a few events. Uh, Eastern European, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the of the survey kind, Hacksaw. Okay, yes. Where we uh, ask our our listeners, and oh. as you and I talked about last week, we want this to be not our podcast, but everybody's podcast. We consider every listener out there a part of this program, and that's why we want to continue to hear from you. Uh, the first thing you need to do is go to iTunes and subscribe to 
Prime Time with Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Sean Mooney. Be sure you subscribe. If you like what you're hearing, we want you to give us a rating. We'd love a five-star rating. We've gotten uh, received a number of those. We want to keep them coming because when you do that, you help spread the word about this podcast, and we uh, get to share all of our stories and hear their stories uh, when you do that. So uh, we'd love to have you help us out there. Uh, Twitter is a great way to contact us. We have our own Twitter account for the program. It's uh, at Primetime MLW, at Primetime MLW. And then, of course, you can, uh, we'd love to hear from you about suggestions, uh, sometimes your questions. You need a little more than 142 characters. We want you to email us and email us at primetime at mlw.com. It's really easy to remember all this because it's the same words, just moving them around with the at signal in there, the at sign. So it's primetime at mlw.com. Email us with your questions. You have anything you want to uh, uh, discuss on the show, a, a past topic that we had. And, Jim, I want to introduce something new this week. Uh, I want to uh, have our listeners, because I know you've been out there, uh, and how many times have people come up to you and say, you know, uh, one time I ran into Jake, and you're not going to believe what he did. Uh, you know, and I want to hear about these interactions, because, you know, you hear that all the time, even to this day, right, Jim? Oh, yeah. You know, Sean, I tell you, that that's a huge point. Folks really like to ask questions and uh, get a kind of an inside look at the business. And I know what the, the comic cons and the stand-up show folks like yeah. questions. And they say they like that the big part of our podcast, uh, the, to be able to ask questions and, and get a, an answer for, for the questions. But you're true. It's amazing how you... Uh, you, you affect people without even realizing it, you know, but, you know, sometimes I meet a fan and he'll say, you know, I met so-and-so and he was really a jerk. Right. Well, I'm like, brother, you don't understand what might have been going on in that guy's day at that time. You know, he mm-hmm. might have been on the road for two weeks. His flight was canceled. They haven't had a good meal. He's away from his wife and family. There's a lot yeah, of things yeah. that go into it, you know. Uh, so, you know, don't judge a guy on one time uh, uh, meeting him. You know, I'll tell you a, a story. I was uh, doing those uh, Hulk Hogan and Friends uh, those shows, you know. And, of, of course, it was me and Nobbs and Sags, Hogan, and Greg the Hammer B cake and of course if that group's there who are you going to ask a question to yeah. Hulk Hogan you know the rest of us are sitting around having a good time poor Hulk's doing all the work yeah. but anyway we're flying out of like El Paso at you know six in the morning so we're there at five o'clock in the morning and people are just just crowding around Hulkster taking pictures and not even asking you know we're just being so rude to the point where I finally said hey you know folks come on give the guy a break you know and uh Sometimes people that you run across and they're just having a bad day because Hogan finally popped, you know, and uh, I could see it coming. But uh, most of the guys in general are, are nice guys. Yeah. And and we, we've talked about this before with Andre that, uh, you know, he was just this gigantic spectacle. There was nowhere for him to have any well, private time yeah. unless he was at a private residence or something like that. And you, you got to imagine the years and years and years of what he took of people. And, and a lot of times, and, and don't get me wrong when I say that, you know, most fans are tremendous. They're very nice. They're very respectful. But there are others that, that feel like they can cross that line, which they wouldn't accept that somebody did to them. And at, at one point, Andrew just turned off. He just wouldn't acknowledge people right. anymore. Or that the which, people come and say, I don't know who you are, but give me your autograph, you know, because <laughs> right. other people are asking me. That's not the politest right. way to be, you know. People, a little common courtesy, of course, 
goes a long way. But also on the reverse side, you don't realize how being on that television show, being part of the WWE affects people's lives. Right. And something that you do on television or you say really affects this guy's life or this woman's life. Uh, I, I told a story, I was, I was doing an autograph session and you see the great big rough guy in line, you know, about mm-hmm. four or five people, six, five, 280 pounds. He comes up, finally he shakes my hand real hard, tough hands, a big hard squeeze. Yeah. He's yeah. looking me in the eye. Hacksaw Duggan, me and my dad, we used to watch you together, and his eyes were well. I mean, it's oh, uh, yeah. it's humbling to, ha- to realize the effect that you can have on some people, man. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. And it's and it's for every uh, you know bad story where you know somebody might have an encounter that isn't so great. There are oh, hundreds more. Hundreds, hundreds. Yeah, where and that's what I want to add to this program, Jim. I want to hear from people out there from their encounters that they had with superstars back then, because you talk to some people today and it's like it was yesterday. It was so much a part of their life. Uh, yesterday, my wife and I were at, we, there's a, a Mexican restaurant nearby here. We stopped by and uh, they make great salsa and, and guacamole there. Whatever. But the, the guy behind the bar was uh, 37 years old. And um, he, he, after a while, you know, he came over and he kept looking at me and, whatever, and he came over and he said, are you Sean Mooney? I said, uh, yeah. yeah. He goes, oh. he goes, and exactly he said that. He goes, my dad, I, want, I went and he goes, I went back in the kitchen and told him you were here. And, and he goes, we used to watch you every Saturday. And I just, and then, you know, you realize why it, it, it's so emblazoned in their, in their mind because it, it isn't so much what they saw on that television screen. It was who they shared it with. Shared it with. Yeah, right. Good. You know, and, and, and for you, it, I mean, it touched my heart just thinking that, that, that was a great, wonderful memory for him. So we took a picture, you know, when he sent it to his dad, and I did yep. a little text thing there. But that's that got me thinking about, you know, I, I want to hear about stories that people uh, have with, with the superstars, and they still to this day, because I know when they see these guys at Comic-Cons, but folks, I'd love to hear the stories. And, and one other story I wanted to tell, a guy came up to me, and uh, you know, Jim, you remember Brett, Bret Hart, he, he, besides his talents in the ring, he was a very talented artist. Yeah, he was. Right, no, I mean, no, no. and uh, backstage, he uh, <laughs> he used to have the the uh, chalkboards, the blackboards, and he, like you said, he could draw some great caricatures. You could tell yeah. exactly who it was. But, but with Brett backstage, sometimes it might <laughs> yeah. be a little bit obscene, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and he was really good at capturing people's um, personality, shall we yeah, say, just at a, at a caricature. And you know, it was almost a kind of a badge of honor, though, to be on that blackboard. Yeah. Even though he may, may have you doing something obscene on there, but at least you know you were part of the club to be on the blackboard. So yeah. uh, he, he blitzed poor Chief J. Strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And he, oh, the stuff he used to do, like Lanny Poffo and uh, oh, everybody, just, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he, he was really spare nobody. No, and that's that's very true. <laughs> And like you said, it was a badge of honor. The the he was folks. The guys he was really the, good. I think I think Brett's first book here is a a bunch of guys. You can see all the characters there. You can right. and you can look at them and you can say that's Nikolai, that's the Sheik, that's Hogan. You can know exactly who no, they real, are. No kidding, absolutely. That's how know, good he was. Just to jump off a little bit, uh, Jerry Lawler's another g- a good mm-hmm. artist, very yeah. good. But getting it back to the story with Bret Hart, and, and I was saying I'm relating it to you know people having these interaction with the superstars where you it, it was beyond wrestling 
And this guy came up to me and told me, we got to talking about uh, Brett, and he was a big fan of Brett Hart's. And he said, uh, you know, uh, years back, he uh, was at an event, one of the fan fests or something like that. And he got to talking to Brett about his son. His son was ill, and he'd been involved with this charity event that was coming up. And he said that Brett went back into the locker room area, and he came out and gave him uh, two uh, cartoons, these character caricatures. And I think one of them might have been Hulk or whatever. But he said, I, got, I took those, and we sold them at the celebrity auction that we had for a couple thousand dollars. And it's stuff like that that is totally removed from wrestling. Brett didn't do didn't do that to you know to think it was going to put him over anymore or make him more popular with fans. Most people never. I mean, we hear, look how long it's been. People never heard that story. Maybe I'm, and and it just shows that that some of these guys were just incredible people, and they really appreciated what the fans uh, did for you know their livelihood and what they did to the the you know the the sport the entertainment that they loved. And and that's what I want to hear. If you've got a story, please email us at primetime at mlw.com. We want to hear it, and we will. We, I'll read it on our podcast, and uh, you know, and give you a shout out to whoever whoever sends it to us. But uh, send us a story. We want to hear it. And I bet I bet at least ninety five percent of them will be positive. You know, oh, absolutely. The yeah, negative yeah. And, and the guys, like you said, are, are so active in the community, not just like Brett giving the uh, the things for the charity auction. Yeah. I mean, everybody. And, I, that, I, and that's I, carried on. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. How many times, remember, with the Make-A-Wish, the WWF, WWE has been oh, I, I think John Cenax actually yeah. has an office at the Make-A-Wish yeah. uh, Foundation. He does so much work. Yeah, uh, you know, you myself. Uh, I've been doing the Variety Telethon in uh, Des Moines, Iowa for this will be my 16th year. Last year, we raised over $4 million uh, for different charities in the mid part of the country. I mean, uh, Tito Santana is very active in the community. There are a lot of guys out there that give wrestling a good name. Yes, and, and the WWE does a tremendous amount of charity. Oh, sure. and I want to, you know, shout out to, you know, Sue Aitchison is still there. Uh, very, yeah, yeah. Sue's a, a, a deal with WWE at all. Yeah. And she's the woman, and like you said, she's been there for a long time. Yeah, when I was there, lady uh, from England. Yep, and she is still doing it, and uh, hasn't been there for a long time. But a big shout out to her because she's, you know, uh, is kind of the liaison between all of the wrestlers and uh, all the all these uh, charity Charity organizations that they're active with. Yeah, she's very active. Yeah, fantastic uh, job. So anyway, get those folks who want to hear your stories. Send uh, email them to us. Um, Jim, once again, we ran a poll this week, as I mentioned. Uh, All right, <laughs> don't be going on the polls again. You know, I, <laughs> I work in patent leather boots and short shorts, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of similarities. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a joke there, but I'll wait for my comedy show. <laughs> is, I was going to say, is there something else that you do at these comedy shows I'm not hearing about? <laughs> no, that's, that, that's Jake. <laughs> <laughs> we ran a poll this week, as in survey, uh, uh, and we had uh, three topics they were the the WBF, the World Bodybuilding Federation, which I was I was shocked that it didn't get a lot of votes. Um, but I think, as you mentioned, Jim, in our discussion before prior to the show, uh-huh. that a lot of people probably don't know about that whole chapter in the history of uh, the WWF, which it was at the time. Yeah, that's something you know Vince McMahon tried. He tried to take uh, bodybuilding and put it on pay per view. He gave all these bodybuilders big 
juicy contracts, which in turn made all the boys mad as hell, you know, because that was before the wrestlers had contracts. You know, if we work, you got paid. He didn't work, you didn't get paid. Right. And all of a sudden, he brings in all these prima donna bodybuilders, man, and they're all making big money. So there was a little heat there, that's for sure. A know? little? Yeah. There, and I'll tell you, <laughs> Jim, I've been doing a little research, and uh, I think you'd be very interested to hear uh, what I, I found out. And No, I wouldn't, Moody. Don't be telling me none of that stuff. I've already got over it. Don't bring it back up. <laughs> easy. Easy. See, folks, that's why we are states away when we do this, because I, I say stuff like this knowing that uh, at least you can't well, hurt me today. You're stirring the pot, in other words. You're trying to get me excited. I got it. Yeah, because I know you can't hurt me today. But, you know. Shoot, I pull a hamstring if I get off the couch too quick. You know, it's a hammy. I'm going yeah. down. Yeah. But I'm going to put that, I want to put that back up there because I really think people would find it interesting when you get the real story behind all this and what, uh, you know, Vince was trying to do, change the world of bodybuilding. He thought by giving these guys gimmicks that he could change that. And the real bottom line of it is that they wanted to get into the supplements business and it uh, it didn't work out so well. So I'm uh, maybe not in the next few weeks, but I want to put that back up there, and I hope that uh, we'll get a good response to and it. And also, you know, as Vince tried it with bodybuilding, he tried with the XFL. I mean, McMahon yeah. is definitely, uh, you know, he'll take a shot at stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, he what he knows take best. Take a big swing, too. A lot of bread. Oh, both, yeah. Both those yeah. Uh, adventures. But what he knows best is is wrestling. And uh, we're, we're going to talk about that. Uh, and I know the one story you were telling about how you had all those bodybuilders down on the beach and you guys were doing a tug of war. Um, well, yeah, well, that was, uh, you know, we had, had well, I think it was a WWF show. So, you know, we all went down to Tampa and we're going to have this big tug of war on the beach with all the bodybuilders. And, of course, they're all greasing up, getting all the oil ready, you know. <laughs> and so Mean Gene's down there and me, Kurt, boss, man, a bunch of us, we all get the rope. We ready, set, go. Kurt, one, two, three, we all let go of the rope. <laughs> the bodybuilders took a bump in the sand, you know. Yeah. They all got up. Uh, they were covered with sand. They were all so they look, oil. They look like Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> That's it. <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but they weren't going to do nothing. They griped, but they weren't going to do nothing. Yeah, right, yeah, boss like, man after them. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, they, they weren't going to have a pose down with you to settle it. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> Anyway, uh, I'm going to put that back up on there in a few weeks, but uh, not now, because it did not do well in the polling. Uh, the other one was uh, WrestleMania Five, which now, Jim, this the poll went off the charts right away. Uh, WrestleMania Five was like boom, jumped out of the gates. It was way ahead, and uh, so on Sunday, I started doing my show prep on WrestleMania Five, uh, which I was really excited about because it's one of my favorite WrestleManias. It was my first one, and then I have to admit to one of the worst interviews I ever did in my life. Uh, but I was ready for that. I was ready to, to, to you know, face the music, uh, so to speak. And then I wake up Monday morning, and lo and behold, the third topic, which was TV taping studio arena mishaps, uh, darted ahead and won 46 to 45%. So that is our main event today that Whoa. we're going to be talking about. There should be a real short show. There was no mess-ups, were there? <laughs> yeah. Well, remember <laughs> when we... <laughs> We used to uh, when we used to have the meetings, the, you know, before all of the events. Vince, you know, all the everybody would be in the, the production team would be in this giant room with the tables, and Vince would be in the dead center of it. And I remember he would wrap these all up by saying, "Nothing can go wrong, so have fun out there." You know, nothing can go wrong, and you hear that one of two ways, right? You know, you hear that, "Oh, yeah, nothing can go wrong. We just it's going to be fine, no matter what happens." Or you hear, uh, 
nothing can go wrong. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> or uh, else. And that's, yeah, and that's the way I heard it. So you, <laughs> like, I, I would leave the room That's probably going. the way he meant it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we know uh, things did happen. And we're going to get to that uh, coming up. But before we do, I want to talk about what has been going on this week because it's all related. Everything is related to professional wrestling as far as I'm concerned in entertainment. And we've got the Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather match, which is taking place August 26th. You've got uh, M- MMs or UFCs, MMAs, UFCs, greatest fighter at this point, and greatest showman, I will say, taking on Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match. Uh, now, when it comes down to because this is all related to me, it's, it's smack talk. And I believe the birth of smack talk happened in professional wrestling. That's where the, the art of, of selling an event was born and how you sell a match. And it, it, and you can go back for evidence. You, you look at Muhammad Ali. Now, Muhammad Ali certainly, I'm sure, admired boxers, you know, like Jack Dempsey or Joe Lewis. But when it came down to showmanship and, uh, you know, promoting himself, he looked up to people like Gorgeous George. He, met, he mentioned that many times. And you look at his those early interviews, He people looked at him like, oh, my God, how can this guy be talking like this? Not just because... Of you know, nobody did that in sports then, and he he and he was good at it, you know. And uh, now you see what's going on with this fight, and I don't know. I really wonder at this point, you know, are they going too far? Now they did this whirlwind tour, Jim, that took place in a matter of days. They were in Los Angeles, Toronto, Brooklyn, and London, and they had thousands of people show up to these. Uh, for the most part. Um, Mayweather got slaughtered when you talk about uh, you know popularity and 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 really selling because McGregor is very good at this. I mean uh, Mayweather tried, but I think at some point he just said forget it. But a lot of people uh, people are saying that you know maybe they went too far with some of this that they they were in a sense they hur- hurled slurs, uh, stepped over that racial line. Uh, do you think that they're, they're, that it was? Uh, I don't know how much time you had a chance to see some of this stuff, but do you think they're getting a point like, all right, that's too much? Well, you know, they're not not too much between the bo- to a fighter and a boxer. You know, something too much might be like that Kathy Griffin thing with the the severed head. There, you're crossing the line. I think this guy out there with the with his j- uh, suit with the fu on the suit yeah, and, the and the trash talking. I think they both realize the more trash talking they're. So when the, the more their ratings are going to go up, the bigger their payoffs going to be. But uh, I, you know, Mayweather, he's got so much bread. I wonder if he's going to take it kind of easy on this. But overall, I think a boxer definitely has a much better chance of beating an ultimate fighter in a in a boxing ring. I don't think he'd have a chance if they were shooting takedowns and go behinds. But in a boxing match, I think uh, McGregor is going to have a long night. Yeah, I, I think that, and most people agree, and they're, you know, they're talking about the, the split on this. Uh, you know, I, I wonder if you had this unbelievable, let's say you had the same skill set as Conor McGregor, uh, would they have been able to have this fight take place if that guy was not the salesman that, that McGregor is? Because there's no question about it, he is marquee. 
you know, not just thousands of people showing up to this, but you know people were just glued to their television sets. Well, of course, the folks over there in uh, the UK, they love it, man. I mean, they're mm-hmm. really pumped up. So there's, there's going to be a, a huge buy rate. Just shows that they're, they're flying around to those uh, that, that uh, four-city tour to, yeah. to promote the show. You know, they're in their private Lear jets flying or uh, pushing it. So it's going to be a, a big show on uh, – uh, but my money's on Mayweather. Yeah, and I think as most people would I'd like agree, to see the other guy win, tell you the truth. But uh, Can you imagine, though, if he did? Uh, th- there would be a rematch. Well, then, well, well another... then there'd be a rematch, yeah. right, brother? So they'd but be you know what? That's, that's all you need, though, right, is that, that little doubt in there that he could yeah. do it. Well, you know, they're both tough, rough men, and anybody gets that first punch in like anything, it's, it's you know... Yeah. Could change, but you know, boxing is an art form. You know, jabs, hooks, and that whole deal—that's an art form. Uh, wrestling, fist fighting—that's uh, a lot of uh, just toughness involved. Yeah, and you know, it's amazing though that when you look at where McGregor is now, that you know that he coll- he was collecting welfare checks. Uh, they, they say here that he collected a $235 welfare check a week before his first UFC fight in 2013. In 2016, Jim. He made $40 million. So talk about skyrocketing. And they're estimating that this fight could bring Mayweather, because I think it's a 75-25% split. I think it's around there, because Mayweather is going to be the the big money on this. But they're saying that he could make as much as $230 million for this one fight, and McGregor uh, could make 70. That's, That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Of course, you know, it's, it's been years of training uh, in, you know, their diet and all that stuff. But, of course, that's a, an amazing amount of money. But it's good to see it go to the, the participants instead of the uh, promoters or the, the guys that are skimming it off all around the, 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 uh, the show itself. So it's nice to see that the majority of the money goes to the, uh, the participants. It'd be nice to see that in wrestling, but... As Vince would say, no chance in hell. <laughs> but you think, you know, thinking it's been a, rare, a relatively short period of time that the the paydays for MMA fighters have skyrocketed, as opposed to what you uh, dealt with with many of your uh, counterparts, many of your peers that that uh, were also coming up to the ranks. I mean, how much did you make in Hawaii? Yeah, it was forty dollars a week. A week, and, uh, forty bucks a week, wow. and there was three of us uh, living in uh, Haku, myself, and another guy named Mike Masters, living in a uh, one-bedroom apartment. Uh, yeah. But we were all young guys. We had everything we owned. We could stick in a suitcase. You know, no no responsibilities. All my mom, God bless her, would send us a care package with peanut butter and crackers to keep us going. But uh, you know. As everybody says, everybody goes, don't you wish you were making the money now that, uh, you know, that they're making now? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not really jealous. I'm a little envious. It would have been nice. But it's same as the money in football is better nowadays. Basketball, everything, the, the bread's better, you know. Yeah, so, but do, you, do you remember the first time when you really said that was a lot of money I just made tonight? Yeah, I, exactly. And how much was it? It was $1,000. Yeah. yeah. And what yeah, was it? I, 
I made the move from uh, Pensacola, uh, where I was down there working for the Fullers at the Pensacola, Panama City Territory. And I made, and Buck Roby and Bruiser Brody called me to come to San Antonio. And I didn't want to leave Pensacola. I had a $500 a week guarantee. I was, li- <laughs> I was living on the beach with a hot little stripper. Uh, I had the, the sheep herders, Butch and Luke, who stay with me, Joe LaDuke. So Buck Roby calls me. He's like, hey, Duggan, come on out here. I'm like, no, nah, things are going pretty yeah. good. Got the pole in the living room. I'll call you later. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's the kind of pole I'm talking about, brother. Oh, I said no. She was a nice girl. A nice girl. <laughs> but, <I'm, laughs> but anyway, so Brody calls me. He says, "Hey, get out here and learn how to wrestle." So I went to San Antonio. That's where I developed the hacksaw character. And my first night in, I worked with Brody on top at the Sam Houston Coliseum in Houston, Texas. And I, I got my envelope. I went back into the bathroom. I went in the stall. I opened it up. A thousand dollars. Talk about setting the hook. I I was like, I'm coming to San Antonio. Amen. Yeah, and, and really, that was the like, best payoff the rest of the time. <laughs> but was it really like that? You never knew what really was going to be in that envelope. Or was it was it always that uh, you know I got screwed or wow? Well, you know, you never knew. You know, and people say, "Well, don't they pay on the uh, the?" Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to see the, the books, game, right? You know, yeah, yeah you know, So they gave you pretty much what they wanted to give you, and. Uh, you know, I, I remember when I was with Georgia Ten champion. two. Ten two. <laughs> right, yeah, that was a, yeah, <laughs> exactly. The place is packed. Ten two. Place is empty. Ten two. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was the crowd. But yeah, I remember Terry Gordy and I. God bless him. We were in Georgia Championship Wrestling, and we got a, a week worth of work. It was a bad payoff. So me and Gordy go down to the office. We were drinking Jack Daniels back in the day. You know, we go in the office. We've had it with you guys. We want some more money, or we quit. And they're like, well, we'll see you guys later. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Cordy looked at it. This didn't work out like we planned. <laughs> <laughs> but so you got a, body, a bottle of Jack Daniels out of it. Yeah, yeah. we left. But a couple of days later, we came back with our tail between our legs. And they, they right. put us back in. <laughs> It sure didn't work out. We were expecting we were gonna we we talked each other into big raises. We go down. We want our money, or we're leaving. They're like, uh, don't let the door hit you in the ass. You forgot to check with the management on that raise. Oops. Yeah. Well, but but it's amazing though when you think though you guys really did pave the road for these guys and and uh, that are now getting well, even the, the generals. The generation before us, you know, yeah. with uh, Bruno, Angelo, Mosca, you know, uh, Dominic Danucci, uh, Skolan, those guys. I yeah. mean, uh, everybody does something. And that's why back in the day when you'd leave a territory, you'd do the favor for the right. guy. You know, when you come into the territory, the guy that you're replacing, is, you're going to beat him every night. When I left Mid-South and it was time for me to go to WWF, and Vince McMahon, you know, he I, I called up there. He didn't call me. A lot of people say, well, Vince called me. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you sure, brother? Yeah. Did he really? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I called up there and he said, hey, Duggan, go ahead. We'd love to have you up here. But give your notice down there mid-south and do your jobs on the way out i mean the guy was business yeah and and you t- we've talked about this honor th- that people had and it is i i guess we because you really don't have the the uh, independent organizations that you uh, it's it's really now just come down to one place and so uh, you don't have that anymore where you've got uh, you know going in the locker room everybody's shaking that guy's hand because he's going to put food on your table tonight uh it's a lot different 
Yeah, and you you know, and if you're the guy that wins the match, you come back to the dressing room, you go find your partner and say, "Hey, thanks for putting me over." Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we 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 mentioned when we were talking about the McGregor or the boxing, and you 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 said how you know boxing is a different game, and it, it, it's and MMA has just MMA has just skyrocketed. You know, UFC, oh, yeah. how that's gotten so big, but. Um, there, there. A lot of people argued when that started to, to uh, you know, rise in popularity that it would, it was affecting, you know, the wrestling business. And I never really thought that. I thought, it, if anything, it was, it really was affecting the boxing business, and which yeah. it did. But it hurt wrestling a little bit, but it, it really hurt boxing. But if you remember when it first started, the cage fighting, yeah. you know, that Robert Conrad, the the actor was pushing for it. Some states outlawed it. You couldn't have it at all. You know, it really took a while to get it going, you know. And, of course, it is a, it's a violent show. I, I was oh. a master ceremony at one up in uh, Montreal, you know, and backstage it's like being at a car wreck you know yes. <laughs> these poor guys laying around all bloody and beaten oh, oh. i'm like hold How on long did you last 60 seconds <laughs> yeah let me go out here <laughs> fellas see if we can get the crowd going oh <laughs> you the know they, where's uh, the envelope thank you boys yeah, yeah there's, yeah. Tough, to, yeah, tough way to make a living or yeah. make a buck, and yeah. that's the deal. Not many guys make a living doing that. They they fight, you know, a, a year or so and get the devil beat out of them, and uh, that that's it. That's, there's no thirty year careers. That's for no, sure. that's for sure. And you know, and Jim, to start our, our main event here, to talking about mishaps, I want I want to start with a transition here as we talk about this in boxing. Is that you know uh, one a series of events that took place in the WWE in 1998 with uh, the company attempting to compete with MMA. Do you remember this? They decided it would be a good idea to have the superstars really fight. And they had uh, they held what they called the Brawl for All, which was a tournament. And I've watched uh, several of those matches on the network, and I cannot believe anybody ever thought that was a good idea. Yeah, I don't know who came up with that, but that was a horrible idea. That definitely got one of the writers back there in the uh, in the room going, "Hey, how about we let the guys beat the hell out of each other?" You know, uh, I mean, my good friend, uh, Doctor's Death, Steve Williams, God bless him. You know, Bart Gunn knocked him out and uh, messed his leg up. I don't know. If, uh, I think it was his knee or his hamstring. He took a bad fall yeah. when he was knocked out, and it it really put the wrestlers in a bad light because then after Bart Gunn beats all the wrestlers. He gets in there with Butterbean, and Butterbean knocks him out. I mean, you know, so it, it so it, it it made all the boys look uh, bad. Kind of like the same thing they did with uh, that jerk uh, Mickey Rourke and and Chris Jericho at WrestleMania, where Jericho beats all the old timers, you know, Piper and uh, Steamboat, and uh, I can't think of the other guy it was, but anyway, and then. Uh, uh, Mickey Work beats up uh, Jericho. It yeah. Just does. I don't see the who benefit. Bought, who bought business. that? You know. Who, <laughs> yeah. No kidding. I have. I got to ever tell you the trouble I had with Mickey Rourke. Oh yeah, when you it was at yeah, uh, okay. WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, yep. Okay. I, I, too many chair shots. I'll tell yeah, stories you don't, uh, over yeah. and over again. But next just time I think you it, pass right? him in the hallway, you're not going to hesitate, right? If I blasted him then and uh, his two bodyguards, Shamrock and the other guy, pulled my arms off, I, I still would have been a better story. That's <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> but this thing, you know, you, you look back at this, that Brawl for All tournament, and I talked to a few of my friends uh, with the WWE about this, and uh, well, and, and they're like, well, yeah, I liked it, but but – Guys, really? I mean, uh, 
you put uh, some people in grave danger when you look at that bout with with Steve Williams when he gets knocked out. When he well, first of all, uh, hacksaw when it when it goes, it basically was the the one of the rules of the the tournament there or, or the matches were that if you got a takedown, you got five points. Well, somebody came up with that idea, and so what it really came down to was this tackle match with haymakers flying. That's really all it was. Just guys, big haymakers. And when they connected, it took the guy's head off. It was like, uh, you know, and when, when Steve Williams, I, I, you watch that match, it looks like he hurt his knee right before that happened because he his knee buckled. And maybe it was his hamstring, like you said, maybe it was the knee. And then he goes and he's trying to fight because he's one hell of a fighter. And he gets nailed with a left and he goes out. And you could see they have the close-up on him. And you know that look when somebody's been... Uh, oh yeah, yeah I've been there. Yeah, <laughs> one of those chair shots, right? And it was it was kind of frightening, and the it, a lot of those matches ended that way. And right. I'm surprised that more guys, and I know guys, did get hurt during. Yeah, that. and like you said, the concussion problem back then. I mean, yeah. guys were because I mean that whole dressing room was there's not a walk in the park in there. They're all tough, tough guys. Yeah. And a fight like that, like I said, guys are just shooting takedowns and throwing haymakers. And if you land that one fight or that one punch, it's all over. And it does nothing for the business but make the boys look bad. And it ended up doing that. Like you said, Butterbean was no great boxer. It wasn't uh, you know, it wasn't like stepping into the ring with Evander Holyfield or something. I mean, it was right. he was a, and, a bar brawler, and he slaughtered a gun. He, you watch that. He was, you know, it was like... It's like the redwood fall. He was like, boom, he went down. Yeah. And, Which uh, is a, made everybody a, look bad because here this guy goes through all these people, knocks people out, and then he gets. He gets yeah, it was a, no upside at all. But you know, a good parallel if you're talking about how the tough guy got beat up by the boxer, yeah. maybe this Mayweather deal, you know, there's a boxer taking on another tough guy in the boxer's uh, home court, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe, uh, you know, I think that... Uh, never say never, though. Right, so I mean, as I say, that's all you need is that one uh, hint, uh, that doubt. Yeah, that, dude, if, you know, if, if, he, if Mayweather does go down, you know that rematch will be a big, big, big payoff. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know... So they may, they may be smart enough business to say, okay, you go down in three, get a little juice, too, brother. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a work. It's a work, <laughs> After that's all... A, after that wrestling this. mentality, everything's at work. <laughs> Who wrote that last Super Bowl? That was some good writing. <laughs> hey, that's going to be one of our T-shirts, Jim. Boxing's at work. How about yeah. that? <laughs> a few Life, life's at work. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, how much that's exactly, I mean, I learned so much about life it, working in, in, in the WWE uh, that has gone with me my, forever. I've, it's, I've traveled with me everywhere I go. <laughs> Because it is. It's this is an education. Work. You get a, a PhD in life. Okay. I'm just. I just wrote that one down. We're gonna have that for the T-shirt. Okay. All right. There we go. Life is a work. Uh, and and with that, let's move on uh, with with some of these mishaps that we witnessed and uh, other people fill us in on. People love bloopers. You know it. Yeah. Not that oh, you ever had any. That's we won't. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But you can tell us about others. Of it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All but right, you know well, that, like uh, my interviews. You know when I was doing my interview and I'd mess up my interview, I'd just say, "Sometimes hacksaw gets so excited, my lips don't work right." You know, so just keep rolling with it. It was part of the gimmick. You were able to yeah. do that, right? Yeah. Other guys weren't so good at it, as uh, we'll talk about 
something like Sid Justice or something. But but, but that's coming. Of course, Sid, yeah. yeah. The first one I want to talk about, though, is it, when remember in um, in 89, when it, it kind of culminated at SummerSlam with the whole uh, Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan, uh, Ran- Macho was Macho Man was estranged from Elizabeth. She was in a neutral corner, and it and it, and it ends uh, with Hulk uh, recapturing the WWF Championship. And it was just a really bad time for Randy Savage, a dark, dark period, his heel turn against Hulk. And I uh, was doing a live uh, interview with with Randy, and uh, we went into you know the one of the interview cubes that we were doing. And and Vince was in there with us, and he, we, you know, before we do these interviews, we go over everything, how we're going to go. I say, am I interjecting a question here? Are we don't, no, just let him go. And I say, okay, so what about when we wrap uh, you know, a cue or something? No, I'll let you know when we're going to wrap. Vince says, and so Randy launches into this rant, a, a big emotional, and Randy was you know, how good he was at this, and just intense and going on. I'm basically holding the microphone, and this goes on and on. Jim just goes on and on. We're, we're like three minutes into this thing, and I'm wondering, okay. And Vince had told me, I'll tell you when to wrap. Well, I'm waiting for the, the signal. And if you, you've been in front of a camera, you know that when the signal is, it can be many things. It can be the finger across the throat, the, a guy twirling his finger, you know, like, okay, wrap it up. Uh, you even get maybe, you know, the, when somebody makes a C uh, a hand signal, that means 30 seconds. I would have done, I could have done well with that. I got nothing. All Vince is doing is he's got his arms wrapped around himself, like he's hugging himself. So I'm thinking, does he want me to comfort him? Should I put my arm on his shoulder? What is, you know, <laughs> is he cold? Macho. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. Is he cold? What? I don't know. And finally, Randy, uh, in near just an emotional breakdown, he's on, gets down on one knee and finally stops talking. And I say something, like, oh, it's a very emotional macho man, Randy Savage. And we're live, and whatever, I throw it back, and Vince is furious with me. He is, uh, and I'm like, what? He goes, I told you to wrap it up, pal. I told you, what What the hell? I, you got, I, I'm, I'm what, what was, when did you tell me to wrap it up? I, t- I showed you, I was, I had my arms, I was wrapping my arms. That was the <laughs> wrap up. And, and I said, Vince, I have seen, uh, I know the, the, the signal for that. But of course, yeah, you were absolutely yes, sir. right. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. I missed it. Absolutely, I, uh, yes. It, it was the rap signal. All on me. So from then on, I always wanted when somebody wanted me to rap, I just said, "Hug yourself," and I'll know how to get out. Okay, we're all good. I usually just get a big hook. <laughs> they pull me, pull them off camera, get them out of there. <laughs> Did anything like that happened with you? Uh, I don't know with with uh, with Vince or. Uh, Maybe you not, not getting the signal, or, or you know what I mean, not knowing exactly well, I, I, what he one, meant. One of the one of the huge screw, but you know what happened? A lot of times screw ups happen in wrestling, and the guys are usually so professional enough that you keep on going because yeah. you know it, what happens in the ring. You may realize it's a screw up, but ninety nine percent of the folks don't realize it's a screw right. up. Yeah. So just keep going. Worst thing you can do is, oh, oops. You know, if you miss a spot, just do it again. Throw you know you in the how ropes, to go for the hip toss, right? You know how to dance, right? But uh, back when we were doing the uh, the slammies, the very first slammies there in Atlantic City, yeah, I I, I won two slammies, one for uh, best vocals and and one for best hits. So for one of the slammies, are they on the mantle upstairs? Uh, no, no, no. Okay, they didn't actually uh, give them to you. They took them back. <laughs> <laughs> that was another slammy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway. Uh, 
presenting the Slammy for the best vocals, you know, the ho mm-hmm. was Bobby the Brain Heenan and King Harley Race. Right. So, of course, I go up there. You know, they read the winner is Hacksaw Duggan, and they don't, you know, put it over. Anyway, so we go up there, and, of course, it starts going down, bing a bing Harley pushes me off camera, and we go off stage left. Boom. When we go off stage left, we have this whole fight that goes on pretty much during the whole Slammy Awards through the building. We go through the cafeteria. We go through the ladies' dressing room. You know, all the the showgirls come running out. Uh, We go through uh, all these animals. I don't know why there are animals there, right? There was a donkey, (laughs) a llama, you know, chickens, a pig, you know. And during the fight, Harley picks up a chicken by the head and starts beating me with a chicken. He kills the chicken. <laughs> oh, my God. It was a big deal because he killed that damn chicken, you know. Anyway, so we have the whole – and they. Uh, but what happened was we actually filmed that whole show the day before. Mm-hmm. Once he pushed me off camera, everything else was a tape. Right. So now we go all the way around to the other side of the building, and they're waiting for us that we're going to break through a screen, and we're supposed to wait for the cue. And we're listening, and Harley and I are looking at each other and like, is that the cue? Is that the cue? That's, that's got to be the cue. We go pushing through the curtain. We're fighting, fighting like hell. And thank goodness just happened to be Gorilla Monsoon was there. Gorilla was supposed to come out and pull us apart. He pulls us apart. We go back around the corner. Me and Harley like, oh, that was great. How would we do? Oh, that was great. That was great. Everybody's like, you were too early. <laughs> by how much? Oh, by a whole segment. <laughs> you were too early. Oh, God. I Dick Ingersoll comes. Oh, Embersaw comes in. Who told you guys to go through? Who gave you the cue? Who gave you the cue? Like, oh, uh, God. Uh, is that the cue? Is that the cue? What was, the, what was supposed to be the cue? I, I can't remember exactly. I know what it was. was Vince wrapping something. his arms around himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably somebody should have came and said, go through now, Duggan. Go. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. That was your cue. But, but you know, the... And nobody knows to this day. Nobody really know that was that was a, a mess up. But a lot of stuff like that happens in the ring, you know, uh, or and 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 during the show. Well, it's amazing they had the cameras where they were supposed to be. Then yeah, well, there was because no, we we burst back right out into the main stage. Yeah. Wow! So we boom, you know. So everybody looked really, really surprised <laughs> on camera. <laughs> Wait, they sold that. But we come crashing through. Everybody's like, "What the hell?" <laughs> oh, and then uh, one one time in the ring, I'm working with uh, Joe Animal uh, in a single, and boom, 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 and I hit the you know, I hit the ropes, and I'm gonna do I do the jump over him and hit the other rope. So I hit the ropes, and when I did on the one side, the top two ropes break and fall down. So I jump over Joe, and there's only the bottom rope. So I jump over it. I'm like. Uh, I just kicked it like I hit the ropes and jumped back. <laughs> the crowd is like, what the hell? But just just keep going if something messes up, that's for sure. That, yeah, and that's the way it always was when you're doing interviews, exactly, because guys not hitting their uh, – when they were supposed to come in on interviews. Oh, no, and- I, think it was, I think it was Sid. You were talking about big Sid Justice, Sid Vicious. When he was doing a live interview, he's like, oh, no, stop. I want to do it again. And we're like, no, you can't. It's live. Yeah, that no, was no, in I'm- your house in December of uh, 95. 
Yeah. <laughs> he, get, he gets tongue tied or whatever. And then he and then he stops and goes, Oh, let me do that again. I think it was Jim Ross. It's a no we're live, pal. <laughs> did, did that ever happen to you though? Did you ever do where you uh, forgot because you know, you do so many taped interviews. Did, did that uh, ever well, happen to you? Well you draw a blank sometimes. Yeah. I mean it, 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 it I break out into an instant sweat. You know, yeah. it looks like somebody dunked me in water. Really. You're all of a sudden, boom, you just go blank. Uh, yeah, we all have those moments. Yeah, I, I always just go to the vocals. Ho, USA, USA. <laughs> yeah. if, if it's five USAs, it means I'm really trying to think of something. <laughs> <laughs> then you go into the national anthem. Then you're yeah, like, really, right. I'm really. I pledge allegiance. <laughs> Well, then we move on to one of the greatest to where he didn't draw a blank was the Mean Gene Oakland. Remember this at SummerSlam in 89 when, uh, and, and we were there, uh, when Gene dropped the F-bomb on pay-per-view. Oh, now, a lot of people didn't realize because at the time, uh, I mean, we, they didn't know that we taped a lot of these things, which was a vast majority of them. We had live interviews, but a lot of it was taped because it eliminated the time. And, you know, you only had so many areas you could set up. It was all a big thing. Logistics. Yes. And so he was doing an interview. Uh, it was for the Intercontinental Championship, Rick Rude taking on the Warrior. And they're back there. And we had these backdrops that, uh, you know, said SummerSlam on them. And they were, you know, if you've ever seen the folks that have been in an in a area where they have a stage with props and that kind of thing, these things are very flimsy. They're, they're basically plywood. And they're just held up by little pieces of wood. They're not real sturdy. And uh, they're doing this interview. And it it fell down, and Jim not uh, and Gene not missing a beat says ah f it, <laughs> and I remember because we all had earpieces we could hear, and I heard this because you know they they threw it as Gorilla and Jesse uh, doing the play by play and they throw to him and I'm I can hear the interview and I hear and I hear you know ah f it and I'm like did I just hear that? And it was one of those things that goes through your brain. You're going, okay, if I just heard that, then the rest of the world just did too. And nobody, yeah. and Jesse didn't miss a beat and came, came back with a you know, line about them looking for Gene or something. But uh, a lot of people didn't realize they thought it was live. What it, what happened was, is that they do these where they, they have the tape rolled and, and they have, you know, they, all the takes that you do and you're supposed to cut out everything prior to that. And you give, you, you cue up the real take. Well, whoever was doing it wasn't as sharp on his game that day. Drew a blank, Jim, and <laughs> and cued up that take. So when they went to uh, Gene, they rolled the tape with the effort on it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wonder if that guy was there much longer. <laughs> I know roll- Gene was. He wasn't but- rolling tape after that. I think that uh, he became, a, you know, helped set up the ring. Ice after- baskets, right. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that was one of the classics, and I remember hearing, you know, thinking that same thing. You think, oh, if I if I heard that, <laughs> yeah, everybody. it just went out over the air, and Gorilla and Jesse reacted to it. So it happened. <laughs> well, you'd have to, right? Yeah, that's one of the more classic ones. Uh, this is another one. We, I, I don't know if we talked about this before, but I did mention it because one of my very good friends with the WWE, uh, Chris Chambers, who uh, is still with the company. Uh, his it's like his first week where we where he was on uh, at this TV taping in Green Bay, and this is when nails nails Vince. Oh yeah, sure, yeah. You were at that TV taping. I was uh, at there's that. a lot of different stories of what exactly happened with that. Uh, 
I'm gonna. I, I want to hear your side, your take on this, because I know you heard from uh, the boys and uh, when that happened. So, what did well, you hear happened? You know, there was. You know, boss man, God bless him. He'd uh, stir up a little stuff, you know. So and nails was wound really tight. I mean, that was a a good character for him to be an ex con. <laughs> I think it was uh, true to life advertising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he brought. He had his own orange suit when he came. Had, yeah. Right. Yeah. But anyway, so boss man would be like, uh, what'd you get paid for the garden? Yeah. Oh, man, I got paid that much more, you know? And then boss man stirring the pie. Anyway, so Nails finally had it, and it was in Green Bay. Yeah. And he went in the office, and him and Vince started arguing, and he grabbed Vince by the throat and took him right down on the floor, and boom, was banging uh, Vince's head on the floor. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter. Right? Yeah, choke had him by the throat, was goozling him. It's called a goozle in wrestling, right? Yeah. You got a guy, that's Haku's favorite move, goozle a guy. But anyway, so boom, he's got him on the floor. Sarge pulls him off. Wow. And, uh, uh, and actually, you know, Nails went right to the telephone because this was when all that sexual harassment was going on. And there was supposed to be all the stuff with uh, Mel Phillips and all the, uh, the, uh, Negative stuff. Right, was right. Yeah. Wrestling. And, uh, Nails called the police and tried to put the heat on Vince, saying that uh, the boss sexually assaulted him or something like that. Uh, wow. That was, yeah, uh, was, I remember. Uh, and hearing yeah. that, but it, th- that really didn't go anywhere. And uh, no, no. But the that, thing that, was, it kind of came down to uh, he said, he said, in a sense, because uh, they were alone in that office. And I think yeah. from that point on, Vince never ever had a meeting. With, no. Uh, well, you know, and, and, and Brett, you know, Brett punched him out there up in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you got to give Vince credit. He's in the dressing room. And of course, Vince, a stout guy, too. He's uh, he's a big man, Yeah, you know, especially back in the day. And uh, uh, he would stand up to the guys. But uh, I, I, as much as I love Brett, I, I thought he was wrong about that whole punching out Vince on the Canadian deal. But, uh, you know, Vince now he has armed security wherever he goes, as he should. Yeah. And, and uh, so no, no, uh, no, no ribbon for the boss. Yeah. What was the uh, reaction from the boys when that happened? I think everybody was in shock. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anybody thought because, anybody yeah, put their hands on Vince. Right. Because uh, you wouldn't his outreach. I mean, you might as well just forget your career from that point. At, you know, yeah. even then. Yeah. Even then, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, and, and who else would hire him? I mean, if, if you were another promoter, would you hire him if he choked out Vince McMahon? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You know, He's a little uh, volatile. A little volatile. But, <laughs> you know, but then Vince stayed there, finished the show. You know, Vince, love him or hate him, the guy, he's one of the first guys at the building, one of the last guys to leave. The guy's like a workaholic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, that's his bay. I know the last time I was up there, I was doing a, uh, a, like the show with Booker T and whatever that little group of guys I was at the, before the pregame, like. Yeah. And, you know, and we're going, going through rehearsals, and I said something, and all of a sudden on my headset, you know, it's like one o'clock in the afternoon on my headset. I said, Oh, Jim, I'm sorry, that's wrong. I'm like, Oh, yes, sir, Vince. Yeah. Who even thought he was in the building? Right, yeah. And, uh, but he's not only in the building, he's, he's listening to the rehearsal. Yep. And that's, a, uh, you know, you that's the thing. Why you are always on your toes because you never knew. You know, you would uh, go you know, into an ed- interview room. He wouldn't be there when you started. And then he's in the back of the room when you finish. You're like, oh, okay. I hope I got yeah. that one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I know that, uh, you know, Pat Patterson and, uh, and Bruce Pritchard used to say, you know, because they rode with him everywhere. And when they got a chance to be in another car, they just relished in it because... <laughs> 
I mean, he just never was off. I mean, he was always, always business. And always business. You, how do you, you cannot, how do you question that? How do you tell somebody I'm no, working so hard when he's working way harder than yeah. you are? Yeah, that's the traits of a successful man. I mean, obviously, the guy's a, a hard-working person. Okay, driven. Uh, another one. Now, I, I neither one of us. Neither one of us was at this one, but uh, the kennel from hell in 1999. Do you remember hearing about this matchup? Because you knew Boss Man. Um, they had this. It was part of the you know Hell in a Cell match, kind of. But it was September 26, 1999, and they had uh, hardcore champion Al Snow going up against the big boss man. And they, the idea was they were going to have, because something had happened with Snow's dog. It was this vengeance. And they were going to have these snarling, nasty, horrible dogs at ringside that if you escape from the cage, you still had to deal with these dogs. nasty Rottweilers, these, these attack dogs. Well, uh, and I have confirmed this with people that were there uh, with the company, that um, the dogs were, couldn't have been nicer. <laughs> you know, licking people, uh, peeing, uh, pooping here and there, uh, and uh, I don't know if uh, dogs do. Yeah, and other things that dogs do, uh, <laughs> and it was just a disaster that they wanted. Uh, and you know, they were they wanted to get you know, like the canines from police departments. Well, what police department is going to do that? Put their dog at risk, and, right? Yeah. and have it bite somebody or something. Bite you know? somebody, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So they had to resort to people, you know, do you have a Rottweiler? Can you bring it to the arena? <laughs> and you look at the shots. I watched it, Jim. And they're just having a good time. The dogs are walking, looking at the people, you know, barking here and there. got something besides beagles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, know, they say, you don't want to work with kids and dogs. You don't want to do that. No. Kids and dogs. Forget it. That was that was a bad one. Uh, uh, you know, speaking of, uh, of mess-ups, you know, when I was down there at uh, WCW, I had been carrying my 2 by 4 for years, but now all of a sudden WCW is, is getting big and all this. Yeah. They have a prop department now. So oh. I'm getting ready to go to the show, and this guy comes out, and they go, Hacksaw, we got these 2 by 4s for you. So I go out there, and I grab the 2 by 4 It's like a giant 2 by 4 Gumby, you know? Yeah, this is, you said <laughs> they, they had, you had a, a rubber. Rubber. Right? Two by was, four, it the, right? was it was it two size? It was the uh, no. It, was, it looked it looked exactly like a two by four. I mean, it was identical except when you held it, and it wasn't like soft rubber. Like I said, it like had a hard uh, wire in it, so it was like a, one of those Gumby toys. You <laughs> know, supposed to crack somebody, be able to crack. Right? Somebody, right? So what I, I they play my music. I don't know what the, it was a, a schmage in the ring. I go running down with my two by four. I get in there. I think it was Shane Douglas, the first guy I hit with a two by four. Boom! I hit him across the back. It bends like a banana. Brief, like a, <laughs> you know, and the talking, and, and again the panic. You know, and what I should have done, I should have just dropped it right away. You know, just get rid of it. But instead, now I'm trying to straighten it out in the ring. <laughs> Straighten my genius thought that was it was it supposed to pass for wood? What, and what did he say? Just don't hit anybody with it. No, I don't know. <laughs> I wonder what WCW is doing now anyway. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's another one of those decisions. That's the beginning of the end, the rubber two-by-four. Oh, uh, well, no, I think that was Vince Russo. <laughs> uh, now, you know this rib. This has uh, happened on many occasions where, you know, uh, people's cars ended up in, in bad shape. Um, and I remember this. Uh, Howard Finkel, who you know I worked with a lot, he I had like just gotten a new car. Uh, it was, I can't remember, it was like a Chevy sedan or something. Very, he was very proud of it. It wasn't really, nothing fancy. It was just a nice brand new car. 
And uh, they told Howard that they needed to use his car for this vignette. It was happening for Raw. And, well, of course, he was very proud of it. Oh, that'd be awesome to have my car on TV. He should have known better. Yeah, because right. what happened was, if you remember, this was back on May 10th in 1983. It was that episode of Ron out front. Alfred, How do you remember, buddy? That's great. I, I got to do your homework. But I, re- okay. you know, I remember the event. I go back and check on these dates because I know, like I said, I know people they are going to be. Fans will double check you. Yeah, they did. They double, double check you. Um, but anyway, I, I remember, you know, Howard was very proud of this. And um, Alfred is out front of the Manhattan Center there with, with uh, interviewing Shawn Michaels about his, his match that night with you. Uh, it was against Hacksaw yeah. Jim Duggan, uh-huh. and um, and so anyway, they they had be they had begun a uh, you know a, a storyline that was going to involve Mister Perfect and Sean, and so out of nowhere, Mister Perfect appears and he attacks Michaels from behind and ends up and this is all you know uh, just right there in front of the cameras and he picks Sean up and gets near this car and wham, slams him on the hood into the windshield. The windshield cracks. Guess whose car it is? It's Howard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and, and Vince did that a few times. I remember they did that at the TV studio one time for another vignette for somebody where they just, uh, you know, get the, they're so thrilled that somebody they're going to use their car on TV. Right. And then the boys up. proceed to destroy it before their eyes. And just like you, you could hear whimpering. <laughs> and I'm sure it cost Vince a few dollars, but it, what a uh, hell of a rib, right? Oh, man, yeah, you're not kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I, one time with, with WCW again, they had the uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway and they had the WCW race car. You know, they yeah. actually had a race car. They, they took us, let us ride in a race car. I have a whole new respect for race car drivers, I'll tell you that. But anyway, we have, a, a, I think it was a pay-per-view when they got the two race cars parked ringside, you know? Yeah. So, so me and Orndorff, uh, Paul Orndorff, are having a battle, bingity-bingity-boom, we get down on the floor. Of course, if a car's there, right, I pick Orndorff up, slam him <laughs> on the hood. Oh, Jesus. It's the race car. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's used to being banged up. Come on, right? Oops. Not by bodies, right? <laughs> you know, right. They were all upset. But, you know, that's the deal. If there's something ringside, use it. You yeah. Know, that's, Come on. That, you're, you're working here. Yeah. All right, well, uh, I, unless you want to add uh, something else to our on-the-road stories with these arenas and, and other TV tapings, I want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that happened at the studio when I was there. <clears throat> And I remember uh, we we used to shoot all these vignettes. Remember when they really would, were pushing somebody, we'd shoot these vignettes where they'd have some kind of a storyline with uh, you know, one of the superstars. And we would I think the these. fans really liked those. Oh, yeah, we did. Oh, great ones. Remember the whole series with Mr. Perfect with him putting? The whole and, you know, Kurt and the yeah. basketball. The, yeah. That was Kurt, too. He was good at all that kind of stuff. And he was. I'm telling you, a lot of that stuff <laughs> he nailed. You know? He nailed. I know it. It didn't, it wasn't, it didn't take 50 takes. <laughs> Right, yeah. You know, if if they weren't rolling, he wouldn't. It could, he didn't do it. But when he, when it was, you know, the light was on, he nailed it. It was just, I'm telling yeah. you, it was incredible. He throw the pass and run and catch it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people love that stuff. <laughs> they were those. Some of those were kind of they're they yeah. cheesy, but they were really. I mean, well, it was great. What made him him good. It Are you kidding? Yeah. it's wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> but no, but it was he was like the perfect character for that, and yeah, I, Kurt, I do mean yeah, that with yeah. the pun. Kurt was perfect. He yeah, really was. Okay. If you're going to pick that somebody to uh, that gimmick, he was the man for it that was one of the guys that shocked everybody but i remember crowd. that you know we, and we shot a lot of these at the studio they'd come in and i we did one with bad news brown and this is when they were really starting to put him over 
And uh, they asked him to do a lot of this. There was a lot of uh, dialogue involved, and, and it took a little while to get this. Well, the, the, you know, they're showing that he's like this badass. I mean, he was, and he was. And they had this idea, which I don't know why. I, I was supposed to be kind of a, a junkyard thing. I don't know. But they brought this possum in. Um, uh, they, Jim, they did. They brought a possum in, <laughs> and they had a trash can. And and bad news, uh, BNB would would you know deliver this big line or whatever when he's got the possum in his hand. What he's going to do? And then he would throw the possum into the trash can. I, I mean, <laughs> this poor possum. Well, these are tough animals. They're they're very tough animals. But after about the twentieth take, <laughs> he, I mean, he's pulling this thing out of the trash can, and it wants nothing to do with what's going on there. You know, it's like if that thing could stay in there, it's grabbing anything it possibly can, and they're doing these takes, and the poor thing, and and, and they're just going. The thing was just punch drunk by the time they got. Done. Bad news with the possum. Really, it was to the point where people were kind of like, "Oh, you know what? We got to stop this." We, it's, it's, and, well, the Humane Society back, yeah. you know, got away with a lot that they'd never. I mean, the bulldogs with Matilda, Frankie the bird. I, I remember, you know, they used to clip uh, Frankie's uh, feathers for cocoa. You know, the, for the bird. When one time, I guess the feathers grew back, the bird flew away. Flew you know, was, <laughs> yeah, but it was in the arena, and it took him for. For hours to catch that bird, you know. Finally, the we next got a day, match. The bird, we got a yeah, yeah. The next day, the bird showed up. Maybe it only had about a half inch wing on either side. Coco trimmed them wings. Jeez, look like anywhere. a T Rex. <laughs> <laughs> right where he needed to be. Yeah. And then the Matilda, that poor dog, man. Jeez, they get that thing to everything. He, he had more action than a lot of the guys on the road. <laughs> yeah. And then there was Damien, the poor, whatever. Oh, Damien 1, snake. Damien 2, oh, Damien 3. Oh, we went through, some, went, through, went through some snakes. But remember when they went to the Cobra? And they had the yeah. cobra bite macho. Yeah. Those cobras weren't very durable. They they were like big disposable lighters. <laughs> Every other day, you'd have to get another cobra. Where the pythons, they were pretty durable. The cobras weren't lasting at all. You think about the way you know that Jake would come around with that thing and and hurl it into the ring and all that noise and banging it. I, I always oh. like, why didn't that thing just come out? I would be like, I want to bite something. I'm going to get something, that, you know? I tell you, and of course it would scare the hell out of the snake because you're figuring on the snake spends most of the day in a duffel bag, in a dark duffel bag, you know, yeah. getting f- traveled around, flown around. And then all of a sudden it's dumped in the middle of a ring in front of lights. thousands of people yeah. with lights and screaming. <laughs> You know, so what's the natural reaction for a snake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, snake poop everywhere. And that was man. nasty. That stuff was. Oh, nasty. You, didn't, you didn't want to wrestle after oh, Jake. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, but uh, did, did I don't know if he got he got bit a few times. But I remember oh. one time backstage that one of the trainer guys, one of the guys that handled the snake, got bit. And those are nasty bites, and they have rows of teeth. You know, because they oh. you know draw in their their prey. Right. And they're yeah. terrible bites. Well, that's the old, you know, because I, I travel with Jake. Like I said, Jake would have been my best man in my wedding, but my dad was my best man. So yeah. Jake was the head usher. Yeah. We were really, really good friends, you know. But, you know, people say, well, you're not afraid of that python. It's not poisonous. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to be poisonous. Right. It's got a mouth on it like a bushel basket. And it can and kill you a number of ways. Yeah. Butt, right. 
Yeah, definitely bite you. Didn't one freeze in a trunk? I don't know if we need to bring that uh, up. Jeez, I don't know what I told that. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, oops. Moving that right was along. after a poll night. <laughs> uh, uh, moving right along. <clears throat> but moving right along. <laughs> you, you, were, you were at the studio several times. Uh, you came on Primetime Live, and you also, uh, which we'll talk about in a bit, uh, was a co-host with me on, on Wrestling Spotlight, uh, which was... A lot of fun. But uh-huh. um, you remember shooting some of those? I saw a couple of gifts this past week. One, remember the kid Jameson, and you were with the Bushwhackers, and he has a pumpkin head stuck on, and you guys are you know, <laughs> trying to get it off. Him. Yeah, and you have the trucker like move out, and you know, it's like you're like, ooh, whoops. <laughs> and the yeah. other one was you with a grenade, and Bobby pulls the pin and blows, yes. blows up his car. But anyway. We had a lot of fun shooting those, and one one of these, and this is this is an, a mishap. I, re, I remember the one show I was co-hosting, and uh, I don't know where we got this idea, but I did a bad Johnny Carson, you know, uh, uh, with you know uh, Johnny Carson and Ed McMahon, and ooh, you know, I was bad. It was bad. But they, they somebody said, hey, we we should do something with that, and so they had this premise that a premise that I was going to get knocked out by a sandbag and I wake up thinking I was Johnny Carson. I, I, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's if it's out there somewhere, I'm sorry, folks. But uh, it's the, the I, than I got today. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing was, they were going to. They, I had to be hit by this sandbag, and they had, they you know pulled it up way up in the the ceiling, and they put a mark, and they kept testing it. Well, they determined that it looked too fake when it was just filled with fluff, so they had to put a weight in it of some kind, and they so they get one of these. It was it looked like a. It was you know like they have for fish waders those lead things and it was like a triangle and it was only i don't know maybe five or six ounces i don't know they put this in there and they said don't worry it's got all the padding on it you won't even feel it (laughs) right well between somehow them hooking that thing up there it worked its way down to the very bottom of the bag and i i'm standing on the mark and that thing comes down and it was like somebody hit me with a hammer i went down i mean it was like and I had this knot on my head that I had to do for the, the whole show. Thank God it didn't cut me. But I had this huge knot. I'm like, what the hell, guys? Didn't you tell yeah, me? Yeah, we, we tested it over and over again. Was that after you missed the rap mark? Yeah, maybe that was. Maybe. maybe <laughs> Hit him with a weight on the head. Yeah. Uh, I tell you, it was, uh, it was a memorable show. Uh, I hope no one ever finds it because... It was <laughs> well, you know, that's the thing about the network. You know, it opened up all that stuff to a whole new generation of yeah. folks. And, yeah. And it was a, it and was a lot of fun. Too. It really Even was. young kids come up and go, well, I love the old WWF days. I said, we like to call it classics, kid. Yeah. <laughs> Not Legends, old. You and I like to refer to it. But Flair and Hogan still call me kids. So, <laughs> yeah. And keep, that's great. Yeah. Keep doing that. It's always nice when they're a few, few years older than you are. Right. <clears throat> so, uh, so you, you by I said you kind of used to come to this TV studio, and as I mentioned, um, we'll move on to our questions. We're going to wrap it up here pretty soon here, Jim. But uh, there was a period on on wrestling, if uh, wrestling spotlight, where Vince hosted the show with Miss Elizabeth for a while, and then you know he got tired, he got bored of that or whatever. So then it passed on to me, and I was doing the show with Sensational Sherry, and then she started getting involved in a lot of these storylines. So they started bringing in hosts different every week. And uh, some, you know, somebody wanted to ask, somebody asked me who I thought was great to, to host the program with. 
And, you know, we had all kinds of people come in. I, I did a show with Jake, which would have been fine if he didn't bring Damien. I have to honestly, I was never comfortable being around Jake. That was not with when he had the... the that snake. had nothing to do with a snake. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Jesse, Jesse was one of the hosts. And this is from uh, Richard from Masked Wrestlers, who asked, uh, any favorite or least favorite co-hosts you had to work with on Wrestling Spotlight? Uh, not most, for the most part, even Howard Finkel was a guest host with me on that show. And I thought, you know, what I thought was great about it, it gave people an opportunity to see these people in a different role. And I should say Ian was host with them, not me. Uh, but also, I remember Tugboat came on. And <laughs> for some reason, I just remember he was, he was pushing the wrestling buddies. And I just thought that that was just really odd that he had <laughs> pushing the wrestling buddies. Yeah. But you were yeah. a co-host with me. You remember? I, you probably don't remember it, but uh, no. Yes, I've, there's a lot of those pictures there on the internet yeah. of us uh, talking to each other. Yeah, but did you enjoy doing uh, stuff like that when they kind of yeah, put you in a sure. different role? Yeah, anything like that that gives you a different look than just being in the ring. You know, that that shows a different side. That's why I like the vignettes so much. I think that yeah. showed a different different side of the guy than just seeing him in the ring. Uh, so anything. Uh, announcing like that would work, you know. And we we did the show. I'm not sure which it was. Was Vince was the like the host, and it was Bobby and Kurt and me and Hillbilly for a while. We did that show for a little mm -hmm. while, and uh, anything like that, uh, you know, it, it gives you a different uh, look to the people. Legend House was another deal, you know. A, a lot of folks came up to me after Legend House, and they're like, you know, I didn't like you as a wrestler, but I really enjoyed you on Legend House. Yeah, and the bromance. <laughs> Yeah, the bromance, yeah. And you know, I'd love to do Tony. a podcast on that uh, with you at some point. I, I'm going to put that on one of our polls, Jim, because I know that a lot of people um, really enjoyed that series, but that really haven't heard really what went on behind the scenes and, you know, how that uh, relationship developed with, with you and Roddy and, and just that dynamic of all those very, very different personalities uh, having uh, to live with each other for well, six weeks, right? Uh, five weeks, yeah. Five, but yeah, what are wow. you Unique group of guys, it really was. And I think they were expecting a drama. They got a comedy out of it pretty much, you know. And yeah. I said, like, me and Piper, we became best friends over those five weeks. And me and Tony Atlas almost had a fist fight. So yeah, for, from yeah. one extreme to the for other, real, I mean, yeah. there's... You know. That's great. Um, so, we will, folks, we will put that on a, uh, a poll sometime in the, in the not-too-distant future. Hey, knock off the poll stuff, brother. Oh, <laughs> that has kind of been the theme. I'm going to come up with a T-shirt for that. Which, what, I'm gonna, it's going to say, what, is it poll or poll? <laughs> they might have to go do some research. Yeah, I will. I'll, I'm going to get right on that. Tell that to the wife. I'm doing research. Yeah, honey. so would you send all those uh, those VHS tapes of the uh, bachelor party? I need to uh, look at that. Okay. Good. Very good. Okay. Um, another question here. And we, we get a lot of these, Jim. I, you know, I've gotten four or five uh, emails on this about they're just fascinated in a time when you were the king. Um, and it says, how, why were you chosen and how did, uh, how the rain was supposed, was it supposed to last longer? Uh, you know, quickly, can you tell us, you know, how that all came about and. Yeah, I, I think I beat Haku for the crown and I've, and I didn't have it very long. I think looking back at it, uh, relatively, uh, very long. And I think the main deal was so they could move it to macho, Yeah, you know? And of course, when I, you know, I beat Haku, I got Harley. It was actually Harley's cape and crown, you know. 
So you had it for such a short period of time, they didn't even do a measurement on the crown? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, no. He, well, they were, up to that point, they were just passing the crown and cape. Whoever became the king of wrestling, you'd get this big old purple uh, uh, cape yeah. that came out of like the knight's in of the drapery. You know, yeah, you got carried this, in. That was cool. The bushel basket the crown that Harley had, you know. <laughs> And it, I mean, it fit. You carry in, apples in there? Is that what you're saying? It sit on my nose. I mean, he had a huge head on him, Big Harley. But anyway, so, you know, I, I beat Haku. And that, it was cool. I think I beat him in my hometown of Glens Falls, you know. Yeah. And, and they bring out the throne. And they, uh, I think John Studd, Big John Studd, crowned me. And, you know, it was a thrill that way. But uh, then that was, wasn't long. I was. I, was working with Macho and Sherry, and I moved the crown to uh, to Macho. Yeah. And of course, when Macho got the crown, he got a brand new custom made crown <laughs> and a, a scepter. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, keep moving, Duggan, keep moving. Yeah, but you, you enjoyed it. It sounds like. Uh, oh yeah, you know, I, that's I said a good that, push. I, yeah, I, I had the cape, the crown, the flag, the board, <laughs> the thumb, the tongue, the hole, and the crossed eyes. Yeah, you yeah know? right. And that's from and, Bobby. And the only Heaton thing you're missing was the pole. No, no, yeah, yeah, but Bobby Heenan, because we were doing that show, you know, and Bobby be like, you know, Vince, uh, D- Duggan needs an eagle. He yeah, might right. get- I'm like, Bobby, shut yeah, up. Right. That's all he needs, something else to put on. That. Joke, you know? <laughs> that question was from Jason Pugliese. So, folks, remember when you, you sent a question in, uh, we'll let everybody know where it came from. And then to, to, finish, up, uh, to, to finish up, Jim, um, and this kind of affected both of us in a way, um, they the let's see who was it? it's uh, Dean Coles who was uh, enter, sent us questions before he says how annoying was it to have to redo an event center because someone uh, had left the company or I should take it further that say you know and got or or got hurt um, I've mentioned before that you know, I used to customize an estimated I'd say around ninety markets a week and they would be uh, like three week buildups. Uh, three weeks out, we'd start building these. And so you would customize every single one of these markets uh, for three weeks leading up to the event. And um, every time, and, and they appeared in all these different shows. So you would do different ones for different shows. I mean, it was a lot of work, just to put it uh, in perspective here. So if if someone left or it, it, or got hurt, which happened a lot, I just hurt a knee or a shoulder, even if they'd be out for, they'd miss, you know, maybe four or five dates, that would totally screw up everything. And I would get this call. There was a red phone on the desk that I would record these things at. And I would have to, it would be Howard and he'd say, uh, you know, uh, Warrior's not making it to uh, Poughkeepsie or whatever, or these other this week. So you got to redo this, 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 this. I mean, you talk about, uh, you know, the whole week after you've been doing this and you got to go back and redo these was just, you know, oh, you're kidding me. But it was something you had to do. The, the follow-up on this, too, to you, Jim, is how did it affect you as a uh, one of the superstars when you were working something with somebody, uh, you know, a, an angle that had maybe advanced and was something that they were building towards, and they got hurt? Uh, yeah, that, that was bad. Just That's like you said, the guy's not your opponent. Yeah. He's your partner. Yeah. So you want to take care of him out there because if you guys got an angle going, boom, he gets hurt. Uh, that's the end of it. I mean, they go in a different direction and puts two other guys in your spot. Yeah. So yeah, anytime anybody gets hurt, that's why you, you know you're very concerned about your opponent most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
uh, it affected everybody. That's really the answer to that question. And when, but of course, uh, uh, your, your deal, though, I would think it's almost uh, job security, right? The more stuff you're doing, the better it is. You know? Oh, heck yeah. And believe me, that's why I think that was part of my longevity there. There wasn't anybody else who could sit in that chair and do that uh, for for that uh, period of well, time. Well, that's a competitive spot too, Sean, though, because if you weren't doing the job, you'd been gone. Somebody else had been in that chair. Yeah, absolutely. Well, once again, we want to thank everybody for tuning in this week. Uh, we hope you, we told you some stories you uh, enjoyed. I heard some things I'd never absolutely had heard before, uh, as I do every week. Uh, remember, everybody, that we, we want to hear from you. You can uh, contact us. Uh, first of all, we want you to become subscribers and you can do that by going to iTunes and, of course, subscribe right away. Listen, if you like what you hear, please give us a rating. We'd love to get a five-star rating for you. That helps out uh, us tremendously to help spread the word. Uh, you can also uh, catch the podcast at mlwradio.com. And as I mentioned, this podcast is all about you guys, too. And as I uh, talked about before, I want to hear some of your stories, your interactions with superstars that you had and, and have had maybe even recently. Uh, with some of the guys that uh, we may have worked with or, you know, these current guys. We'd love to hear it. And you can do that by emailing us at primetime at mlw.com. And I want to finish up today uh, with, a, with a quote. I'm hoping I can find uh, these gems every week. This is from Dusty Rhodes. And it is, I have wined and dined with kings and queens, and I've slept in alleys and dined on pork and beans. Jim, take us home. I like that. You know, and on a day with uh, talking about mishaps, we kind of let Brian, our producer, slide a little bit on this earlier deal. But as always, Sean, good to talk to you and good to hear some questions from the folks. Look forward to it next week. And before old hacksaw Jim Duggan signs off, you know what's coming, Sean? Yep. Give it to us, Jim. And if if you're going to hoe, you got to hoe like you mean it. Ho USA! We'll see you next week. Tough guy! The world of NLW Radio never stops. Over 460 million people around the world have disabling hearing loss. Starkey Hearing Foundation provides hearing aids and hearing-related healthcare to millions of patients in over 100 countries. But they need your support to continue helping those in need. Give the gift of hearing by donating to the Listen In Campaign. Go to listenincampaign.org to donate today. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-I-N-C-A-M-P-A-I-G-N dot O-R-G.